I find that I just can't stop getting drunk, even though I've become a Christian, and I've tried, but I can't succeed. What's wrong? Well, that kind of question comes time and again, and there's much that needs to be said in answer to it that we can't even begin to say on a brief time of discussion such as we have here. But let me say one thing that is is very often neglected, I think, by Christian people. And because we have neglected it, I think we have failed to minister properly from the Word of God to people who are struggling with what I'd like to call life-dominating problems. There are many life-dominating problems. I guess the way to discover whether a problem is a life-dominating problem or not is to look in the scriptures and to see whether an individual can be characterized by a word. You know, uh, we we can be called a man, but uh, when you're called, as in 1 Corinthians 6, a fornicator, idolater, adulterer, an effeminate person, a homosexual, a thief, thief, a covetous man, a drunkard, there's our problem for today, a reviler, a swindler, or something of that sort, it's interesting to notice that God has put a title on the person who does those kinds of things. And he didn't say that you were uh, just a man who does it, but he called the person a drunkard or he called him an adulterer, or he called him a fornicator, or he called him a homosexual. So there are certain problems that so dominate a person's living, certain kinds of sins into which he has fallen against God that have gotten such a hold upon him that his whole life is dominated, his whole life is affected by that particular sin. Not that he doesn't sin other sins, but this sin is so dominating so permeating in all aspects and areas of his life that it it just simply uh, takes over everything and colors everything, and everything is done in relationship to it. For example, we often hear about uh, drugs today and uh, the abuse of drugs, and sometimes young people are enticed into the drug scene by saying, aha, the drug experience will, will give you a, a mind-expanding experience. Well, exactly the opposite is true. It becomes a mind and life-narrowing experience. First, the person gets a little bit of kick. He gets a little of euphoria from the drug, perhaps. He gets some kind of experience, some kind of psychedelic experience, whatever it may be. But pretty soon, That wears thin and he needs more, and that wears thinner and he needs still more. And he begins to get hung on this thing. And when he's hooked on the drug, he begins to live for the drug. His whole life becomes oriented around the drug. He has to have the drug at all costs, and it does cost. Not only him, his time and his energy and uh, uh, the injuries to his body and to his relationships, but it costs financially. So maybe he even steals or he sells everything he has or whatever, but his whole life becomes dominated with one passionate thought. I got, I've got to have my drugs today. I've got to get those drugs at all costs. Everything he does 
is oriented toward the drugs. And so rather than expanding his mind, the drug scene narrows a person's mind. Well, the same thing happens with every life-dominating situation. All of life is focused into one channel. Everything surrounds this one little, in its orbit, this one little center, this nucleus of the person's living. And rather than making God the center of one's life, as every Christian should, this particular sin and its propagation becomes the dominant factor in a person's living. That's why when dealing with a life-dominating problem, we have to deal with the whole of a person's life or the change will be unsuccessful. The person will find himself going back again to the same old problem again and again and once again back on the kiss-and-make-up syndrome with God and his neighbor. So, what about drunkenness? Well, let's look at Ephesians 5:18, where we have this answer in terms of the life-dominating problem. Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you see, it's very plain that drunkenness is sin. It's not sickness. It's not a disease. We don't speak about alcoholism as some kind of disease. The Bible calls it drunkenness, and it calls it a sin. And in 1 Corinthians 6, we read that that sin can be overcome, just as the rest of those things that I read earlier. All of them can be overcome because he says, such were some of you. A person who is in a life-dominating problem in the throes of it, in the entangled in the web of it, can be removed from it. So here is a verse that tells us how. It says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now there's a tremendously interesting contrast in that verse. As wine, when a man is drunk by it, dominates his life. Everything he does is influenced by it. His speech is slurred by it. His thinking is conditioned by it. His walk, his gait, everything else. Everything he does is, is affected by an, uh, this, this dominating factor in his life. So his whole life needs to be reoriented and everything has to be affected instead by the Spirit of God as the life-dominating factor in his life. Just as wine gets into the whole of his life when it gets hold of a man and he becomes a drunkard, so the Spirit of God now must come in and get, get hold of every aspect of his life. It's not just a matter of stopping drinking. It's a matter of, you see, dealing with every aspect of life. It's a matter of the Spirit of God taking his purging power and getting into every part of that man's existence. When he is uh, in trouble at work, things don't go well, he runs to the bottle. When he runs to the bottle, things don't go well at work. When he's having trouble at home, he runs to the bottle. When he runs to the bottle and he comes home, his wife gives him more trouble at home. When he has trouble at home, he has trouble at work. When he has trouble at work, he runs to the bottle. The whole, you see, is interrelated because he's one person. You can't smack your finger with your thumb with a, uh, a hammer and, and have anything else not be affected by it that day. You're a whole person. And when a life-dominating problem gets in there, it gets into every phase of life. There's a breakdown of the physical side of man. There's a breakdown of the social side. There's a breakdown in the family life. There's a breakdown in uh, the work habits of the individual. So that when if a, if a man really wants to change, he really wants to overcome drunkenness, he can't just focus upon stopping drinking. He has to look at all the things in his life in every area that have been affected by that bottle. And in every area, 
He has to begin to do, by the grace of God, what God says ought to be done in each of those areas. That means he's going to have to work on his relationships with his family. He's going to have to work on the patterns down at work where he works with the other people uh, at the office. He's going to have to work on something else, whatever it may be, in every area of his life that has been affected by the life-dominating problem. Drunkenness is a life problem. It is not just one problem among many. And when we need to be changed, we need nothing less than the Spirit of God filling our lives, that is, getting into every aspect of our lives, so dominating our lives that our family life, our work life, our physical life, everything is influenced by the Spirit of God. Oh, Lord, those who are in the throes of this problem today need help. Lead some to Christ that they may be saved, we pray, putting their trust in him as the Savior who died on the cross in the place of guilty sinners. And your children give strength that the Spirit may change them in all phases of life. For Christ's sake, amen.